welcome back to episode 20 of the Collaboration Chronicles. Nick and I are really excited tonight to have a guest. And the guest tonight is a little different than some of the other guests we've had. Uh, we've been fortunate to you know, have kind of the big company perspective on collaboration. Uh, but tonight, uh, we've got a great startup, uh, Hyper, uh, here tonight. And, and Buyan, uh, who is one of the co-founders, is going to speak with us uh, a little bit about his journey, about modern collaboration, and the role uh, that uh, security plays, you know, obviously in his organization. So, uh, William, please introduce yourself. Yeah, thank you for uh, having me. I really appreciate it. So for me, I am the CEO and the CTO of Hyper. I've been with the company since the very get-go back in 2014, which sounds like uh, an eternity ago. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for us, you know, we, we've been a business for quite a long time and we've, um, really been focusing on this concept of elimination of shared secrets from a security perspective. And that means so many things. And, um, you know, it's, it's all about timing in any sort of industry and any sort of product. And we're very fortunate to have kind of hit the right timing the last few years and had a lot of success with, uh, with our ability to execute with a bunch of really amazing customers. And uh, we've grown the business hundred percent for the last few years in a row, which is awesome. And, uh, you know, we're really excited for the future. So I'm uh, happy to have this conversation and uh, share whatever knowledge I can. So tell us a little bit, what was the inspiration for hyper? How did you sort of, uh, people like, you know, always like to hear their story, but what was, you know, what, what was the aha moment that you have? Uh, and, um, and what, uh, what made you brave enough to, uh, as I like to tell people, this is my fourth company that I've done. And I like to tell other people, it's like jumping off a cliff when somebody's handing you a parachute and you're hoping that you get it on and pull the cord before you hit the bottom. So uh, what was your inspiration and, and what made you decide to jump off the cliff? So for us, you know, we always, um, I personally always wanted to have, have my own company. Uh, that was something, you know, my, my parents and, and I, I myself was born in uh, communist Yugoslavia, you know, and, and there's this, there's this dream that people have in that type of uh, environment where it's like, if you have your own business, like it's something that's magical, you know, <laughs> it's something that is like, wow, that's, it seems impossible, you know? So kind of growing up, you kind of hear it. You almost hear about it in like a myth mythological sense. Like <laughs> it's this amazing thing that somebody can do. So I always thought about doing it. And then I met a couple of folks uh, in New York city actually through a, uh, a Bitcoin meetup <laughs> <laughs> in 2013, uh, 2014 timeframe. And we decided to start a business to eliminate payment fraud. And that was the original intent. And, and our premise was this was when the first iPhone with the touch ID was coming out. And we said, every device is going to have this. Everybody's going to use this for security. And, you know, companies are going to want to figure out how to actually take advantage of it. So let's wrap a product around it and help, let's help eliminate fraud. Had to pivot. And then eventually we, uh, about you know a year into it, we ended up with a B2B enterprise passwordless authentication product. <laughs> and uh, we, we were fortunate to have some very early customers like uh, Aetna, CVS Health and MasterCard work with us to really refine the product, learn a lot of things. And uh, since then, we really just spread it to about 20 different verticals today, which is really cool. And, and, and how did you, how did you pivot from one to the other? What was the aha moment that you had that said, this isn't going to work. We got it. We got to try this thing. And, and this is a good idea. Our payments fraud product. When we, 
when we released it, it was very much consumer focused. And we very quickly realized that the average person doesn't care that much about security. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing with each year. Yes. That's kind of funny. That was, that was a very hard uh, realization. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but we realized that companies care a lot about security of their customers. And so we're like, and they were willing to pay you money. So we said, let's do that. Okay. And had you worked for enterprise companies previously? Were you familiar with the enterprise market? I had worked uh, in, as a consultant at, a, at big companies from a security perspective. I was doing like a security architecture reviews, penetration testing, that type of stuff. And then I had a stint at a, uh, at a Manhattan hedge fund, which was, you know, a few thousand people. Okay. Um, and, you know, so that was like my expertise in the enterprise space, but I never tried to sell to enterprises before. I had always, you know, I had spent some time buying stuff and um, it was one of my, you know, I was one of those people where I kind of made it a sport to challenge vendors when they talked about all the capabilities and features of their products. <laughs> I just feel and, being uh, on the other know, side of that conversation now. <laughs> oh, it's, it's excellent. Karma. It's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes payback is a bitch huh <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's rough yeah that's great so where, where are you guys at today how big is the company um you know how many customers you guys have so you know we've got um so for us we were the company is about 120 people today mm -hmm. uh we were about half of that a year from uh, a year ago wow. so from a you know in terms of like covid and all that stuff from a business perspective, it's been good for us. And, um, you know, we have, you know, close to a hundred customers today and, but a good chunk of them are in the fortune 500. So we are, um, we're very much, you know, having a lot of success in financial services primarily because, you know, the type of product that we provide is, um, very secure and, and they have the most to protect. So let's talk about COVID for a second, right? Um, so, so what I've seen is COVID has either been feast or famine, uh, and and not really the middle. Uh, either you know, as technology shifted, as work styles have shifted, as work location has shifted, uh, the 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 winners won big, and the losers lost even bigger. Uh, you know, I think it was kind of this finally shift of legacy is going away, and and modernization is here to stay. So. Um, how, what do you think has driven your customer base, you know, to grow uh, during COVID? Yeah, you know, for us as a security company, we primarily saw where, you know, lots of companies were kind of talking about zero trust a little bit here and there, that, that type of stuff, but nobody was really doing anything. And they really went from, you know, having a couple hundred employees at a large enterprise really actively using things like VPN, connecting in remotely, to tens of thousands and all of a sudden anybody could try to connect from anywhere to a lot more things. And when you're talking about an authentication system and, you know, ways to exploit that, you know, the hackers were there to try to exploit it at that time. And so for, for our customers, you know, where they may not, have, you know, from a user experience perspective, they might have been putting a very small percentage of their employees through a very rigorous multi-factor authentication process that is, you know, time consuming and frustrating to having to do that for tens of thousands of people. And the logistics of that are such a nightmare that they said, Hey, we, we want to do something easier. And so they, they went out into the market and looked, um, and that's just good timing for us. How would the, uh, so you said you doubled in size from the employees. 
given COVID, um, how many of those employees did you hire without ever meeting them physically? Most of them. Yeah, most of them uh, we hired without meeting them physically. And that's okay. Um, you know, we we went from being one of those companies where most people were in the office every single day to, uh, you know, now we have about half the company is in the New York City area. And then we've got about 25 folks now over in uh, Boston and the rest are kind of split up across the country. But um, yeah, we, we really found that work productivity hasn't decreased in any way. It's increased. Um, you know, we were seeing tons of velocity, like, but we were always one of those companies where we measured a lot of things. So it's easy to see when, when things are starting to slip through the cracks and address it very quickly. So, uh, so, so collaboration has probably become more important than ever. And, you know, what a perfect segue into our show and what we generally talk about. Um, so you want to share a little bit about the collaboration strategy that, that you've, uh, you know, deployed to your, your folks? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing, especially when you're growing very quickly, you're adding layers of management at the same time, and then you have to make sure that people talk to each other. So there's just a few things that we do from a cultural perspective. You know, we have company all hands meetings every two weeks. You know, we, we really stress demos from an engineering and product perspective. So, you know, every single team within the engineering organization has to demonstrate what they built over the last week or two, uh, every week or two. And that kind of really makes people talk a lot because they have to prepare the demos. They have to talk to each other, <laughs> you know, they, they have to do these things. And then, um, you know, obviously zoom is just the way of life now <laughs> is, uh, I feel like sometimes I don't even close that app for like weeks at a time <laughs> and it's okay. You know, zoom fatigue can certainly be a thing. And I'll tell you, you know, um, from a collaboration perspective, I think it's been a good thing, but we've also had to implement things like no meeting days to make sure that people do get a break. And we, we do use a ton of tools. Like we, we've really made Slack like an operating system for our company. Uh, everything goes through that. Uh, everything is plugged into it. You can launch meetings from it. You, you know, you can give kudos to people uh, that you work with through Slack. Everything is really done through that. Um, and we made it a way of life here at Hyper. And uh, it's it's really nice to be able to to do that. So I'm going to guess just from the tools you said, you're not a Microsoft shop. No. <laughs> okay. So tell me about the journey in terms of, obviously you went with, with probably Google and, and G Suite to begin with uh, early on. How did that start? How did that evolve? Uh, where are you at now? Um, I'm also going to guess most of your customers are probably Microsoft, given that you're mainly in the financial and and um, sort of a Fortune 2000 space, they're probably mainly Microsoft. And how does that, you know, you're probably not sending Google Doc links uh, to those folks. How, how does that all balance out? <laughs> yeah, you know, so we certainly do have the office suite, right, with Microsoft Word and all that stuff. And But most people use Google Docs. Um, and so for us, we did start out with G Suite. And, you know, I was managing the whole thing and all that stuff. And uh, for, for everybody. And then once we got to a certain point, I'd say about 30 people, which I think is sooner than what most people do it. We moved to um, Okta as our main identity provider. Hmm. And, um, you know, since then we've, 
but we still have like uh, due to the nature of our product and the fact that we do integrate with Microsoft a lot and we do we have what we call hyper on hyper, which is dog fooding it, sipping our champagne, right? Making sure that we use our own product. Mm-hmm. And we talk about it every single um, town hall. We talk about all the applications that we use and how we're using our product with them and new ones that we're bringing in and how we're using our product with them. And so it's a company-wide effort that we constantly talk about. But in this change to move to Okta, you know, <laughs> I remember we had to change the authentication. It was a pain. And for our intern, due to the fact that we do work with Microsoft customers, like we do have Active Directory in our uh, environment. We do have Azure AD as well for some things. We do have like Active Directory certificates services set up. Is that mainly for um, testing and make, making sure you're, you have environments to simulate customer environments or are you actually using it for other purposes? We're using them. So we actually, we have like, uh, we have some Windows users um, and we actually connect them to a domain and we we run like certificate services and we use certificate based logon to get access to their machines. And uh, it, because it, it is a something that a lot of our customers do with our product. Hmm. Okay. And what, what's the, have you found given that you're using something that your customers, most of your customers are probably not, how do you bridge sort of the internal collaboration with the customer collaboration? Do you just basically move to an office environment when you're sharing with them? And cause that's sort of what they do or are some of them to some of them interested in using something like Google docs or, or how does that, how does that work out with, with the outside folks? Yeah. I mean, with Google docs, you know, they have ability to export to a DocX or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Excel or whatever. And so we, we do that. But from a collaboration perspective, really, we're not at, we've never been, due to the nature of the product that we provide, like we're not constantly slinging documents back and forth with them. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have a project, they expect us to have things in order and they expect us to provide them with these things and we do that. And, um, you know, the, ty- the nature of the customers that I mentioned earlier, like financial services, we're always using like their secure sharing portals and things like that. So I have like 50 different accounts you know, for a bunch of different customers in different sharing portals, which I have to uh, manage through like one password and stuff. But, um, you know, that's how a lot of sharing goes. Mm-hmm. And there's so many restrictions when you're working with an enterprise, like we're, <laughs> we have a, we created a tool where you can on demand upload a file and it'll create a S3 link that expires in a certain amount of time that we can send to a customer because that seems to be the only thing that they do the not block evader, the block evader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It's like, it's a, uh, like we, we actually had to create a small internal tool just to do that. For, for basically software delivery or stuff, or just getting something to the anything, anything, anything? just that. Uh, yeah. Here's, <laughs> you know, instructions to do this, or here's this log file or stuff like that. So as you're growing, right. And you're at the point, right. You're probably at a, at a point where you're start thinking about it in terms of starting to, because I know we, we went through this as well. Now, given what we do, we're a lot, we more directly tied a lot of information security stuff. So, you know, um, we're, we're half your size sort of at this point. Uh, But we sort of felt pressure to have to sort of, you know, implement, 
document labeling, document classification, auto classification, DLP policies, so so on and so forth. Um, uh, but it was it wasn't it was hard, right, to find the time to do it. And to your point, a lot of times it was you know the our professional services, our customer lead, you know, myself, uh, our head of engineering, kind of stealing time here and there to try to get it done. Um, cause it's one of those things you wanted to get done, but you know, it, you know, we don't have a full-time dedicated, you know, infosec person to, with that sort of skill set. Um, so it was a real challenge for us to sort of do that. Now, luckily we're on the Microsoft platform. They make it a lot. I mean, you sort of pay, you know, I said, we, we did this to E5 or 95 from it, from a small business point of view. Yeah. It sucks to be paying 57, was it $57 per user per month for an E5 license, but on the other hand, it's one-stop shopping. You know, you get everything in one place, and you get your DLP, and you get you this, and you get you that. So it 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 gives it gives a small company a chance to match what Humana's doing, right? That's just a little bit bigger than us. Um, but um, but we would have no chance if it was if I had to go buy best of breed solutions, right? There's just no way that would ever happen. What what kind of challenges you know have you guys hit, and and what you know how do you sort of balance kind of, you know, what you, what, what you theoretically should be doing and want to do, but the reality of running a day-to-day business and, and, you know, not be, as we were joking before we started, you know, the, the information security group at Humana is bigger than both of our companies combined, right? Okay. So uh, very different sort of uh, scale uh, for our customers. Yeah. You know, we, um, the nature of the company that we have and the nature of the product that we provide um, <laughs> it's just crazy because for us, you know, we, we provide what our customers call a tier zero infrastructure product. Okay. And that is, so hyper has a top four bank as a customer. They have 50,000 people that show up to work on the East coast every day. And if hyper is not working, those people are not working. <laughs> so when you have that re- that level of scrutiny on your product and you're a 50, 100 person company mm-hmm. and you're growing from the very early stages, we've had to put control, a lot of control in place. Mm-hmm. And so we have had dedicated security people since we were like a 20 person business. Wow. We just had to like, that was the only way that we could do it because Every single place we ever worked with, we would get a 50 page document that says, are you doing these 50 million things? And like, you know, you, you, you have to do them. And so I remember like, you know, when we were 15 people, like I was installing CrowdStrike on all our endpoints and, you know, using Jamf to, you know, make sure that it gets pushed out and all that stuff. We were doing all of those things from the early days. And so it just evolved. Like you just meant, we were talking before the show, you know, around SOC 2, like a year and a half ago, we hired a official like technology operations department and we got SOC 2 type 2 and ISO <laughs> and that stuff. And, you know, one of the great things that I mentioned, we, we've been doing some of this stuff from the early days is like when we did our initial SOC 2 audit, the auditors came in and, and they checked all our controls. Out of the 200-something controls that you have to implement for SOC 2, we were only missing 15. Wow. And that's like day one, like after this. Yeah, wow. Like before before you even started your SOC 2 process, you already have those in place. I was like, all right, (laughs) let's do this. Like they were shocked. (laughs) So for us, it was uh, was really nice. Um, 
because we were doing hardware encryption. We were like doing, uh, you know, a mobile device management. We were like all these things we were doing. We had all these policies in place and procedures and documents. And because we would have to provide these every single time we did an mm-hmm. RFP or <laughs> all that stuff. So it was just like, okay, here you go. But yeah, I think about, you know, all the other startups out there that don't have that level of scrutiny and how they can allocate those resources to do other things. And sometimes I, I get a little bit jealous. <laughs> All right. And thanks, everyone. This is where we'll wrap this episode. We appreciate you tuning in, like and comment, and we'll be back with part two with Booyan here shortly.